slam ball enthusiasts and welcome back to the nation that's right we're like a warm blanket on a cold winter night if that blanket provided not only warmth but oxygen because that's what we do we breathe warmth and life into what is otherwise a dark dreary informationless time period of slambo which is proven to be every single day outside of the three-month season that's right while the going helping of information these days is a social post that is a b c d or this or that questions almost always associated with slashers highlights that include dunks from the scoring bed that's right coach dunks from the scoring bed we're providing exactly what you need for the next 40 to 55 minutes news notes analysis and opinions, a heck of a lot of opinions, along with interviews and insight from the people in and around Slamball that have made an impact on your on the game. I'm your co-host and head coach of the world champion mob. You might have heard of us, and I'm joined as always by my colleague, my friend. There are many adjectives to describe him. My favorite is Effervescent. He has many nicknames. My favorite is Hernando! It's Hernando Planels Jr., head coach of the Buzzsaw. Coach H, what's happening? Listen, I just feel like right now we went from a CNN broadcast to a wrestling podcast, all in that whole intro right there with it. I mean, I freaking love it. I'm glad to be back. I just want, I know everyone has been tweeting about me, about me being sick. Am I getting better? And the answer is no. It's a month long. I'm still coughing up a lung. I'm still on fever sometimes, but it's fine. But I'm happy to be back at the PBR studio in Sacramento, California, and in PBR, if you're watching and listening, I would like a sign that goes right up there by my beautiful leaves with it. But we're back. I'm excited. It's going to be a great show today. Absolutely, Coach. We'd have to get you like one of those low heat ones because we can't have any of yeah. those plastic leaves like catching on fire or anything like that. So you're right. we'll talk you're to right. PBR yeah. about that. All right, we're off and running. Episode 13, that's right. There's 13 hours of content for you this offseason. And on behalf of everyone here at The Nation, which is just Coach H and I, we just want to say yes. you're welcome. Before we get started, want to get a shout out to Brian Bell Anderson. We don't know if Brian is a listener of the podcast, but Brian saying, saying only what matters. We love you, brother. We're behind you in this battle you're currently in. You're a warrior, my friend, and we have seen your heart multiple times. So we look forward to seeing you back out in the court very, very soon. Um, also, time to thank the greatest sponsor on the planet. Coach H already did them justice. It's delicious. It's cool. It's probably too cool for you. Let me get it up in the camera there. It's PBR. They get slam ball. They support slam ball. So we encourage you to support them. Thank you, PBR, for everything you do for us and respect. All right, Coach. We've had front office executives, coaches, players on the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. This guest is an analyst and creator for the sport. He hosts arguably the greatest in-season slam ball podcast that exists called Bounce Off. He is Sam Roberts, Quantum Roberts. Sam, welcome to the nation, brother. Woo! Thank you very much for having me. I've, I've been, as I said to you, listening to every episode of the show this week just to make sure I'm prepared for this interview. And I think that's the longest intro that we've had thus far and a lot of energy to start off. So hopefully I can match that uh, today. And, well, we and, and as you can tell, uh, it's really Coach Kirsch and I who have the accents on here and not <laughs> Sam. Well, we I don't think I have you. an accent. 
Joining uh, just from the time frame, man. Like just from the time frame alone, you talk about the energy. You know why? Because this is the first time we're recording this at like 2 p.m. Eastern time. You know what oh, I mean? Apologies. Coach usually has me on this thing at like 8 p.m. and I'm dragging ass after like a long day. Finally, I get to do it in my what time? You're in the UK, right, Sam? I'm in the UK. Yes, I'm in, I'm in Glasgow, Scotland, so North UK. <laughs> so for me, it's seven seven p.m. Uh, but I appreciate you guys doing this for me because with every interview I've done for Slam Ball, every piece of recording I've done, most of it's been like 3 a.m. So this is a much, you've got me at a much more uh, conscious form of my brain. So hopefully that makes for a good show. I love it, man. Hey, so just to start out right out of the gates, what tip? What tips can you give us to make our podcast better? And do you know anyone who can edit this thing? Because we, we don't uh, know how. <laughs> Um, tips for making better. I don't know. You guys get better viewership than me, uh, which is which is the big thing. You guys are better at putting clips out than I was throughout the season. Um, in terms of editing, that's the thing that I've been trying to get better at personally, because I think when you're on a scale that we are as doing things smaller and, and for a sport that, that has a micro community around it. Um, there aren't so many outlets to go to and there isn't so much in like influx that you can get to be able to say, all right, we can now pay this person to edit it for us. And then that's not part of our problem. Um, I, my, my advice is just do make it as perfect a first take as possible. And then there's very little editing required. <laughs> well, Brendan Kirsch knows all about perfection. Don't we, Brendan? Go ahead. I'm just waiting for it to happen. <laughs> Come on. I was just going to say, we're just so lucky that we're so beautiful. We're so well-spoken. I mean, we are one take wonders. And every time I, I put that out there, we have to like cut four or five times. So fingers crossed that <laughs> that, that doesn't happen uh, this time around. But Sam, we have so many questions for you. I guess first, first up, other than how to make our podcast better is why do you hate the mob so much? Oh. So I don't know how this became like the 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 talking point that i hate the mob i'd say of all the teams in slam ball the mob is the one that is that i've had less angry messages from players about my coverage so i don't know why the perception is that i don't like the mob um genuinely i i need to know where that came from because i've heard you say it more than anyone else coach kirsch well first of all uh coach kirsch believes everyone hates the mob that's right. usually his first question in fact you should see when we're out on the streets just eating food you like, excuse me, Miss Waitress, I would like some chicken wings. And why do you hate the mob? <laughs> it's us against the world, coach. Always has been. <laughs> no, it's, it's good to have you on, Sam. Like, like we said in the intro, you've did such a great job with the podcast. Like I know in season, coach can attest to this. It's long hours. I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of hours every single day, but one of the highlights was really, you were so on top of doing the real time podcast that like coach Baloo and I, when we were driving to the mob house for film, if you had a new podcast out, that's what we were listening to. Um, so you did a fantastic job. My first question is like, how did you find slam ball? Cause everybody's journey to slam ball is different. And I'd like to hear how you found the game. I genuinely don't remember. And part of that's just having a terrible memory. Um, but I think what, what's important, some people aren't really good at guessing how old I am. So for context, I'm 24. So I'm about the same age as like the younger players in the league. So from, and I'm not in the U S so I have no idea if or where slam ball aired in the UK when I was growing up, but I know that by the time I was like eight or nine, it was on uh, YouTube. There were like clips on YouTube. There were full games uploaded to YouTube. 
So I remember being a kid and somehow finding out it was a thing and then just watching a bunch of, of clips on YouTube. And then because there's not there wasn't that much out there, still today there's not that much like readily available to the public on, on YouTube to watch. I kind of went away from it. Uh, and then last year, about a month before the season started, hearing, oh, yeah, it's coming back and this is what's happening. And I was like, right, that sounds awesome. I'll get back into this then. Well, I'm glad you found it for sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you found everything with, with it. Now, when you found out it was coming back, like, were you excited? Were you, I mean, just like, I'm going to start a podcast or like, what were these things that you were thinking about when they're like, slam ball is coming back? I thought that's cool. Like at bare, base level, that's cool. That's awesome that it's coming back. Um, I can't believe this thing that, that was around years ago and then went away and then came back and then went away and came back and then went away and has come back again. And not only has it come back again, it's come back with the arguably biggest scope it's ever going to have. Um, from like a, what made me most excited about it perspective is where I work, we have like a big like community aspect, with like our customer base. I basically work in, a, in an arcade slash cafe, but we have a big community base with our customers. We have like a social media platform online called Discord that we use to communicate with everyone. And I love doing things like, um, for example, the TV show Survivor. I'm like, everyone pick a person from Survivor and you can root for that person for the season and we'll see who gets the bit. Like just stuff like that is fun. And so Slam Ball was another excuse to do that where I was like, right, this sport's coming back. Okay, half of you don't know what it is. It's the coolest thing in the world. Here are the eight teams. Pick a team and we'll just root for them from like a distance. And that was the, the base level was this is cool and hopefully I get to see some of it. Now, wait a second. Well, Discord, and, isn't that the sites where uh, you're able to find out which politicians buy which stocks and you can get secret passwords from different things? Is this what we're talking about here? I don't know. I just know Discord is like a, a social media platform where you can create your own social media network, essentially. So you can only the people you invite get in. And it's essentially like a big group chat, but you can have like separated sections for different topics. So we have one that's like just to talk about sports. And I'd be like, all right, here's what happened in Slam Ball this weekend. Everyone's like, cool, that sounds great. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that was my follow up question is like, what prompted you to start the podcast? Because we're not talking about a podcast like Coach H and I run where it's it's done once every two weeks around our schedules. Like you you dove in like you were especially with the time change like that is what impresses me so much because we were on West Coast time at the time, like Pacific time. That's eight hours difference for you. Like you were doing the podcast in real time. You were covering basically every single night of games and doing analysis like the next day. What prompted you to want to do that? Um, I have a lot of free time. Uh, that's part one. Um, so I have the opportunity to be able to go into it this deep. Um, the second thing is I'm a big basketball fan, but I don't watch that much NBA because of the time difference. What I do and have done since I was 16 even younger than that, is listen to podcasts every day mm -hmm. about basketball. I will specifically shout out No Dunks, formerly the starters with NBA TV, who I shout out when the slam ball season ended, because they have put out content every day, basically for the last 15 years about the NBA. And from my perspective, that's how I keep up with things. And I love that I can go and listen to them talk about it. And that's how I get my knowledge about, about pro basketball. And I thought... I wonder if there's anything like this for Slam Ball. And I want to shout out the Slamcast because they were already up and running when I started looking into this. And I have a big problem personally with going, well, that thing already exists. There's no reason for me to do it. 
what's the point of me doing it if I'm just going to take away from that person? I've been very fortunate in where I am in life generally. And so a big personal problem is because I'm so fortunate, I always feel like I don't deserve to take a spot away from someone else because someone mm. else should get that opportunity. So I saw the Slamcast was just a, a thing on Twitter responding to Slamball account stuff. And I thought, someone else is already doing it. I don't, I don't need to take up that space. And then I thought, screw that. Um, I would like to try and I would like to have the opportunity to go and I'm never going to break into the world of basketball as someone who can talk about that because there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts about that and analysis and former players. And, but slam ball is, is niche and it's coming back. And there is at that point, one podcast, there's now five podcasts about slam ball in total. And at that point there was one and I thought they've not put out any content yet. Um, and the content they've since put out is amazing, but they hadn't put out anything yet. And I was like, we're three weeks away from the season starting and I have nowhere to find out who the players are, um, what they're about, what the league is going to be based on. And I'd like there to be someone that explains that. And if no one else is going to do it, why not me this time? And so that's what prompted me to actually start the, the podcast and put the energy behind it. Well, shoot, man, you're smart and you are deserving. You are deserving. Damn it, Sam, you are deserving. Now you go through this podcast, you, <clears throat> you're going through the season I mean, obviously, you you were like I, I loved it. I loved your podcast because it was like your personal journey as well, too, on what you were seeing and, and everything else. Like when you go through the whole season, what is probably the biggest takeaway you got from Slam Ball overall about how how the how the season went from like a sports perspective or from me personally? Well, no, I I think I mean if we can get both, be good because. You know, we're all fans, and I mean, even though we're coaches, we're still fans. And and you're a podcast host, but you're a fan as well too. So let's go fans, and then from a sport perspective, as it was well too, because those are two great debatable and talked about pro uh, process. From a, from a fan perspective, um, it was great being able to talk to people about this sport in real time and, and build up a community surrounding that of like. Um, six or seven people that you were going to see on Twitter every night talking about it live as it was coming out. Um, more than that, but like six or seven regular, like, let's get in depth about this. Um, it was also great just to see when I got back into it and when I was like, right, this is something serious, I went back and watched everything I could find on YouTube. And for me, the thing that I gravitated towards was like the China series because I could see like the development of skills and tactics. And to then see that come back to the US and see how you're going to develop that with guys who haven't played as much. To see that progression over the, the course of five weeks was amazing. To um, see everything was new. And I'm, I'm a big fan of seeing things that are new. So it was a new format. It was new coaches. It was new players. It was a new um, postseason. It was a new environment. It was, a new, it was new teams. Everything was new. And that was exciting to see. From an international fan's perspective, um, so I talked about, I tried to get loads of people that are like customers in my work involved. Um, none of them could watch the sport because it's not accessible over here. And I know that the league is working mm -hmm. on that, but that's a bugbear of mine where I still can't readily available, go back and watch games from this season. I have a way I can do it, but my friends can't, the general public can't. There's no way to go and look back at previous games. And if, you're, if you are going to invest time in it and, and grow an international base, which we're told all the time Slam Ball already has, um, it would be great that it's easier to find than having to know the back channels to get there. 
So that's like a fan and also an analyst perspective. And then from an analyst perspective, it was great. Again, looking at previous seasons, there's like no information available to the public or to fan analysts about here's how many points this guy scored. Here's how many um, rebounds or LBRs or, or stops or here's who went where in the draft. And getting all that information in real time made it so much easier to break down the sport. Um, the access we have to information now is, is so much easier if you know when to look and have the energy and effort to go and find it. And so being able to uncover so much about the players before the season even started, when they were just names and faces on a website, that was an incredible benefit that I got as well from doing it in, in the modern era. Hopefully that answered some of the questions. <laughs> oh, you were great, man. That was perfect. Absolutely. So, so you watch the entire season, you watch yeah. the games multiple times, because when you would do an analysis, I know you were watching each game more than once because your I analysis wasn't. was so in depth. So you come out of it from a fan perspective, who was your favorite team and why? So um, the team I picked preseason, because again, when I was pitching this to like friends, all we had were, these are the names of the teams. And then eventually it was, these are the names of the teams. And this is their, because I'd contacted the slam ball press team here are the names of teams, and then here are what they're going to look like. These are the logos and the jerseys and the colors. And so I just got everyone to pick a team at random, basically, before we even knew who the players were. Um, and I gravitate as a person, like I said, I gravitate to things that are new. So I kind of was like, I don't want to pick the Rumble or the Mob, no offense, coach, because they are like legacy teams. And I want to find something that's new that I can latch on to and follow. And I was looking at all the teams and the team that I picked, again, not knowing the players, not knowing the coaches have anything, was the Wrath because I thought that is a Samurai Beetle. That's awesome. <laughs> that's like, that was the base level of it. I was just like, that's a cool logo. The name I can take or leave, but the logo is cool. I quite like the color palette. Um, I'm going with the Wrath. And so that's what caused that. And then I was actually quite happy with, with how the season went, having that be my team. Um, in playing sports and in the teams that I, I like to follow, I'm a big fan of like grit and grind underdogs, like fighting over like what you're expected to be able to do. And while it sucks for those players that they had such an injury bug throughout the season, as a fan, that meant I'm rooting for this team. They've only got four yeah. players today, but I'm rooting for this team. I want them to win. Let's see what they can do. Oh my God, Ty McGee's set the record for the most points. And that's because they've got no other players, but they're doing it. Um, <laughs> In terms of like an aside for, for basketball, the team I picked to support in basketball is the LA Clippers. And one of my biggest memories of, of being a Clippers fan is a 2016-2017, uh, um, a game late in the season or early playoffs. Uh, the Clippers lose, but Austin Rivers gets bashed in the face, bursts his cheek open and can't see out of his right eye, plays the rest of the game anyway and gets like 21-7-6 and six, and is crying coming off the court because he's left everything out there and they've lost by like two. And that's what I like watching in sports sometimes. And so I was lucky that the team I picked randomly ended up fitting what I wanted to see out of a, a team in the sport anyway. Uh, that may be the most precise answer I've ever heard on someone <laughs> who picks a team. Well, then <clears throat> with that, then, you're, then you've loved the storylines all over Slam Ball. I mean, I know your podcast was great because you were creating storylines like right after the games – I mean, all of a sudden, it'd be like a story. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just finished coaching game. How do you know this storyline? Like, how, like, talk about your process when watching game. Were you watching game? Were you taking notes? Like, all those things that you were trying. Because now, did you mention that you were only able to watch the game just one time through? Yeah, for timing reasons, yeah. most of the time. 
um, and because I wanted to get it out so that it wasn't just readily available for people in the US waking up, but for any fans internationally, they could get it when they woke up as well. So mm-hmm. Coach Kirsch very kindly said that I was probably watching it multiple times through to get the analysis right. Um, I'm going to say outright, I appreciate every time that a former or current coach or player has marveled at my level of analysis because, again, I don't think it's that great. I think I've still got a lot to learn and to improve on, but I'm grateful every time I hear that. Um, I didn't have time to watch it multiple times through. So for context, the way the season would work for me is games were on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for for most of the the weeks, and they were on at 3 a.m. was start time. And I work a Friday and Saturday from 12 p.m. until 10.30 p.m., so what would happen is on Thursday night, I would go to sleep early-ish, wake up for 3 a.m. to watch the games. The games would finish about 5. I would take notes while watching the games, while also being active on Twitter to keep the conversation going and interact with fans, because I still want to be a fan, but I'm still taking notes about the games. The game will end, and I'll try and clobber together like any photos that are available of the game to use for things like thumbnails on YouTube, or here are like the key stats from the game or go back and rewatch little segments. But by that point, it's 6 a.m. I need to record for, I like an hour-long podcast generally, so I'd record for about an hour. Um, I'd have to edit that a little bit because usually I wouldn't have the time. I'd have to finish the edit, export the, the video file and put it on YouTube, and then I'd have to be ready to leave the house to go to work by 11 a.m. So I'd maybe get two hours, three hours sleep, go to work from 12 until about 10.30, get home at 11, try and go to sleep until 2, wake up at 2 to watch the games from 3, and then do it again on the Saturday. And then the only day I would get the rest would be the Sunday, where I could like watch the games, finish it, and then just go and fall unconscious for eight hours. (laughs) Wow. incredible. That is incredible. I don't want to create excuses for myself, because at the end of the day, I should be trying to be as great as the players are being on court. But... Um, and rightfully so, I had some players say to me, your analysis in this video was trash. Um, you basically just said, I don't know how this happened. And I would basically just say, you're right, I need to be better. But part of the truth is I'm working off of like a combined eight hours of sleep across three days. And I'm trying to get things out as fast as possible while still making it good enough quality. That If I don't immediately have like a talking point or a clear vision for how the game went, it's much harder for me to break it down. But that doesn't excuse not giving... I think it's okay to have bad analysis so long as I can back it up with facts. And there were times where I didn't do that. And that's why I say, I appreciate you guys saying that I have good analysis. I appreciate the players saying they listen to the show. I appreciate um, my co-hosts like Craig Skistimus and, and Coach Berkoff saying that I've got good analysis and I'm seeing good things. But I know I still need to do better so that I can at least explain my reasoning rather than just laying it out there. Well, you know, the other part of having great analysis is for people to disagree with you. You know, and I, of course, I have disagreed with you. But that's what it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what makes right. great analysis and great opinion with it all the time. It's like you may say something or someone else say something. I'm like, no, nah, I don't agree with it. And But it's like, but, you know, that's what I think sparks other conversation. But that's, again, what makes great analysis because – uh, of, of there, there's like a debate with it. So I, I love it, man. Seriously, I, I think I love it. And by the way, I have to tell you this. I think any person <clears throat> from the UK or Scotland can make everything sound like tremendous. Like you use the word marvel. <laughs> like that, like you could talk about a tragedy and you will make it sound like the most eloquent tragedy in the world. 
because of the words and the natural flow. So I got to give that to you, Sam. Like, you just listen, the natural flow of your voice. <laughs> BBC Radio, why haven't you hired Sam Roberts? Come on, BBC. <laughs> what did I, I got, um, part of me doing this and, and feeling like I, I can do analysis for slam ball and be like a journalist covering it is that my master's degree I finished two years ago was in multimedia journalism. And one of my lectures there was a former uh, television presenter for a company called um, STV, which is like just below STV in terms of, sorry, just below BBC in terms of popularity in Scotland. It's like our regional specific thing. And um, on that course, uh, I'd said, one of the things that had been presented to me was if you're doing a journalism degree, you can either go into journalism or another option is marketing. Marketing is something that, that you can take with that. And she was my, my supervisor. So we would have conversations about like, where do you want to go with this? And I said, well, um, maybe marketing. And she went, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Because she was so pleased with how naturally good I was at speaking on television, speaking on radio. that She was like, if you waste that voice doing marketing, I'll be so upset with you. And that's not a brag. That's just ex explanation for why I'm not currently working for, for PBR. No. Well, <laughs> Well, and you, you do a great job. Like Hernando hit the, hit the nail on the head, man. It's not just the voice and the analysis and the research and watching the games, but it's the dedication. It really is. Like I had friends, we were, well, because of a coin flip uh, that we don't have to dive into, but because of a coin flip, we uh, were the second game of the semifinals and the finals. And so I had family that was on the East Coast. Like my wife and kids had to go home well before that. Uh, I had friends that were like, man, I had to go to sleep and then set my alarm and like wake up, you know, at midnight to watch your game on, on ESPN. So total dedication to you, brother, for like waking up at, at 3 a.m. local time to watch games. I absolutely love that. One of the things I have to ask you, you were one of the most knowledgeable slam ball analysts out there, not just from an analysis perspective, from an information perspective. Like Coach H, this is a true story. I jump on the podcast today and Sam is telling me about a team meeting that I'm going to have with the mob tonight on Zoom, which is which is accurate. It's 7 p.m. Eastern. And he's already asking me about this meeting. So like, <laughs> who are your resources? Who are your sources where you get all this information, Sam, throughout the course of the season and during the off season? Well, I think... Um... It would be poor journalism of me to burn said sources, so I can't That's tell right. you. Good job, but, Sam. Good job. Thank you. Uh, the answer is, I, I, as I think has been made obvious by me talking about not feeling like I deserve a place in certain spaces, I overthink everything in life when it comes to me, when it comes to situations, when it comes to things. There is so much more information out there than people realize, and you just need to pay attention to it. For example, like I said, I've, I've went back and listened to Slam Ball Nation uh, since episode one this week just to get up on things. And I think I can comfortably say I've got three pages of notes on things that have been revealed on this show about the next season of Slam Ball that haven't been mentioned anywhere else. That's what we do, coach. We're the right. crossroads of news, stories, analysis, and insight. I mean, That's right. you don't have to go watch those weak-ass scoring tramp dunks. You know, that they're posting. You don't have to watch that. It's like my kid jumping around in his backyard on a trampoline. You know what I'm saying? You can just come to Slam Ball Nation and listen to our analysis and insight, and you're going to get so much. I mean, we're giving you gems. It's gold, coach. It's podcast yeah. gold. Dropping dimes on you, Sam. This is, this is <laughs> plus, Coach Gersh is like the, he's, he, he really, um, he loves doing breaking news. I really want him to do like a little, 
picture something or like a rolling thing where it says breaking news at the bottom. So Coach oh. Kirsch could have his flowers with that. We need an intern <laughs> for that, Coach. Like we, we need do. some kind of intern. You know that we're not doing that. I mean, just nope. putting our lower third graphics up is like a challenge. I have to put yeah. on my readers. I have to get on my phone and put on my readers and like make sure it's all spelled right. So we're not as cool as we look, but uh, but that's all right. Um, Sam, you you talked about like the, watching the Chinese games and all that. I know you were somewhat familiar with old slam ball, even if you didn't watch it religiously. What were some of like the original players? Because one of the things we do like to do is like honor the original players from old slam ball that really paved the way for us to be able to even do this today. So like, were there any players from back in the day that you, you gravitated towards? I was trying to think about this when we were, when you sent me some of these questions ahead of time. And again, my memory is terrible. And I was so into slam ball for about two months last year where I was prepping for the season and doing it, that all that information was stored for that length of time. And then it's not been in my head as much recently. So I was just like, who comes off the top of my head? Um, and probably because I've, again, listened to uh, your interview with, with Mason Gordon, Dion Mays was someone he mentioned there doing, like being an unstoppable stopper um, in season two, pre-season before it even aired. And when you go back and watch most of, well, not most of, but a lot of season one slam ball is available on the YouTube channel still. And when you go back and watch that, you get to the finals and the rumble have been so good at that point and it comes down to very close to the end, off the top of my head, there's, there's a, I forget, I think it's, oh, I forget who the other stopper is. It might not even be the finals, but Dion Mays takes the ball the full length of the court after getting a, a stop and just destroys the other team's stopper who kind of gets an awkward bounce off the tramps. And that's a really memorable visual. So he's someone that I always think of as a big deal because when you watch the first season, he's a big talking point. And then, like I said, going back and watching China, which was the first time I'd seen the Chinese League when I was getting back into it last year. And like I said, a big part of that for me was learning the tactics of it. And for those that haven't watched the Chinese League, it was five-minute halves, right? It was much shorter than, than the current. So it was tactics, but on a much faster scale. And watching Noah Ballou and the stuff that he could do, particularly there's a dunk he makes where he then backflips out the trampoline just to show he can do it. But him and also Lu Feng was a guy that I was like, if they can bring him in for the US season just to show off, that would be incredible as well. Because what he's able to do in a sport that you think would be dominated by big guys, um, the height he gets and the explosiveness, while also showing like zero interest, like no expression on his face, just here for business, um, mm -hmm. is incredible as well. And again, I like things like that. I like the tactics and the skills. The massive dunks and the extreme athleticism are impressive. But... My favorite basketball player of all time is Magic Johnson. And I would much rather see an incredibly skilled pass than a ferocious dunk. That's just me personally. So I love seeing the tactics and things it, it come out. Now, did you see um, from all those seasons to this past season, did you see an advancement on the tactics? And, and did you see... What is... How can I say this? Did you see the right amount of... Like, was it a big enough step you thought... Or did you think it could have been bigger in terms of the tactics and what other coaches were doing? I don't want to, to sit here and act like I know anything about slam ball tactics. Again, you guys have, have been very kind with your analysis of how I look at things, but I'm still struggling to comprehend half of the terminology that I hear get used on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not even in the same like time zones we've talked about. 
never mind the players and coaches who are there in the building who are immersed in this stuff 24-7 for the length of time you guys are. So how have the tactics evolved? I couldn't tell you, right? But does it look like there's more um, going on than just run and gun compared to season one? Yes. And is that even with the, the, the thought that season one of Slam Ball was very edited and yet they still were just making it look super athletic rather than any tactic? Yes. Um, maybe this is going to make it sound like I, I only like the, the Chinese seasons of Slam Ball, but when you compare that to the season we've just had, while the tactics in this season were way improved compared to seasons one and two and then 2008, with China, you're the unique experience of guys who have now been doing this for most of their adult life, combined with more facilities, more opportunities to train, two seasons in the same location where you now have schools where Stan Fletcher is training a bunch of guys in different colleges how to get better, versus you then bring that back to the US. And he even said on, on your show that while you guys praise Stan's ability to have a schedule for what the guys should do on a day-to-day -day basis to get better, he then came on and said, I wish I'd done things differently, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because you had what, like a couple, like a month at most training versus the Chinese seasons where yeah. you had years for some guys. Um, so the tactics were there. The execution of those tactics, not the same, but that's because you have players who are playing it for the first time. And even with that, it was still far improved from season one, season two, season three. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that to us too, Sam, is like, the biggest thing that we look at, I remember being in training camp and it was like, and we've, we've talked about it before a day in slam ball because of the days feels like a week and a week feels like a month. And I know we've said that, and that's kind of how training camp was. They were on the court yeah. for seven days a week and they were on the court for a better part of 10 hours a day. So the advancement comes very quickly. And so I, I remember thinking like we were in training camp, you want the players to learn just enough they're like clay, you know, and you're molding them just enough where they don't start picking up some of the bad habits from training camp before you get them into team camp, because there's very specific things that then the coaches want to be teaching the players um, that have nothing to do with what they learn in training camp. Right. Like one of the things that coach H and I <clears throat> always prided ourselves on is like no wasted reps, absolutely no wasted reps. If you get into practice and you have two hours, why would we waste reps doing things like as an example, like shooting tramp jumpers, we didn't need to shoot right. tramp jumpers, right? Because we were never going to shoot a tramp jumper. And if, if the offense broke down and we needed to shoot a tramp jumper late in the shot clock, I trust that the players could do that without having to run through a lot of reps. We needed reps doing exactly what we wanted to do. Tramp denial defense, disrupting the ball when it hadn't been dribbled, blowing guys up when it had been dribbled, switching all ball screens and blowing guys up, uh, reads on the stopper, throwing the initial lob, making reads on secondary cutters. Like that's where we dedicated all of our time and attention. And the players in training camp don't get that, right? They, they have to be with their specific teams to learn what that specific team wants them to learn. So it'll be interesting to see with the upcoming series and series seven coach, if we have the same amount of time for training camp and team camp as we did, because those are very different kind of learning scenarios, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. I'm going to say less. We're going to have less time. Yeah, probably that's my, so. That's my my thing. And I think it's just a lot of it is just because of timing and then where we are with everything. And, you know, when the guys are going to get in and everything. And we have to finish at a specific time. Right. Before that's the right. Olympics. Before the Olympics. So, yeah. 
That's a big deal for Slam Ball, right? Because they don't want yeah. they they have said like we can compete with a lot of different professional sports entities and sports entities uh, on TV and otherwise. But the one thing they don't want to compete with is the Olympics, just because of the massive massive draw. So certainly we'll be done before that, and that gives us like a very finite timeline to get everything done for Series Seven. So. That'll certainly be interesting for sure. But but breaking news, as Coach loves it, the uh, the initial email that came out from uh, EVP Rob Wilson was that right now training camp slated to start on or around April 22nd. Right. So pretty cool because you can start now. Now it's slam ball. And I guarantee you that won't be the date because they really love <laughs> to change things up, especially last minute. But that at least gives you an, an idea, a semblance of an idea of when training camp is slated to start. It's not earlier the- than last season. Because from my perspective, because this is like, you've now just said the date, but players had said things about April on social media that had then been reshared by the Slam Ball official account. So I'm not in any hot water by saying April has been what's talked about. But to me, and not having any memory of what month is which, it felt like if you guys were starting training camp in April, that either meant you were going to have a really long training camp or the season was going to be longer and now to hear that it might be that the season's actually getting bumped closer to the start of summer, um, I think takes the wind out of the sails for some fans because thinking April gives you hope of like, okay, that either means more training camps so the guys can get better faster or they can warm up more and there's less injuries, or that means a longer season, which means Sam doesn't need to stay up super late four nights of the week. Um, <laughs> and to hear that it's moving forward a bit is, is a little bit, I suppose, of a disappointment, but it does mean we get slam ball back in our lives sooner rather than later, which I can never complain about. I think well, it's going to be I, almost I, the exact same amount of time. I think it's it's just going to start earlier. I, I know that it started in training camp was slated to start at the beginning of June um, last right. season. And I think we pushed a week. And the reason I know this, Coach knows this story. He, he appreciates yep. it. This is a true story, Sam. This is a slam ball story, okay? You arrived early? I No, no, I didn't <laughs> arrive early. I did arrive early. That's true. But I ha- I ended up like my wife, very understanding human being, right? She's the mob wife, right? She's very understanding, total, totally supportive of slam ball. We have two young kids. And then I have a, a daughter that's about to go to college, a little bit older. Um, and she was totally supportive on one condition that they, that she and the kids get to come out and, and be part of the season, experience it for as long as they could while they were out of school for the summer. So I'm like, that's totally great. You guys can go fly in the airplane, uh, you know, and, and get out there in about four and a half hours. If you guys are going to be out there with me, I'm going to drive my truck out there. It's like an SUV. So I packed up all the kids' toys, all the stuff that I knew they would need out in Las Vegas for a whole summer. And I got in the car and I'm like, okay, I'm driving. On day one, I drive from uh, Orlando, Florida to like Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is about a 12 and a half, 13 hour drive. I get to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I sit down for dinner. And as I sit down for dinner, I get a text from Rob Wilson that's like, hey, we're pushing training camp a week. And I'm like, hmm, do I turn around and do I drive back to Orlando for five days and do this all over again or just keep going? So that's why I got there a week early. And I'm certain some of the same things that will happen this season. But it at least gives us an idea of when the season starts. If training camp's April 22nd, the the target for the, the regular season will be somewhere around June 4th. So that gives you a general idea. Right. Yeah, especially on based on TV calendar and what ESPN has slotted for us. Yep, will be will be good. So do you, do you I guys just, know that I, TV calendar, Coach H? I don't know. You don't. I just know it has yeah. to end before the Olympics. So whenever the Olympics end, uh, maybe backtrack a week or two. But I think the Olympics start what July, mid July, maybe early to mid July is when the Olympics start. 
So we gotta we gotta get done. I just would like to see more of the evolution of more it just being <clears throat> kind of like what you pointed out, Sam. How the NBA did for what fourteen years straight have or whatever was put so two years straight social media stuff on there all the time. Because the reality, what's happening is that people are forgetting about slam ball, <clears throat> and if there's no talk, then it really just becomes a novelty item, which is yeah. which is sad in many ways because. You know, some great players, some great coaches, some great analysts, some great podcasts and everything else. And it's not a novelty. Like, it's a real deal sport. But it's really got to, you know, it's 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 got to be continued to market as that uh, with everything. I think from, from my personal perspective, I had a lot of hope listening to Mason's podcast with you guys where he's talking about the model of professional tennis and the idea that slam ball could potentially be doing um like tournaments worldwide or in different parts of america throughout the year with the summer series being like their version of wimbledon um not to disparage mason still would love to interview at some point but i have heard so many different pitches for how slam ball is going to go over the last year by listening to the interview that they did with gilbert arenas by listening to interviews he's done with other places um by talking to players who were told there might be a tournament before this next series which never materialized so i'm now on this track of wait until things happen rather than be told something and know that's what's going to happen. Um, but it's, it's disheartening for me because I'm not in the group chats that you guys are in. I'm not paid by the league. I'm not paid by anyone to cover the sport. So if there's not something for me to talk about and I'm not feeling that feverance of like, right, it's slam ball season, I have much less motivation to go out and do the work and do the interviews and do right. stuff like that because I'm not feeling the same sense of, pride and reward that I get from talking to people about the sport as you guys get to for being involved in it. So to your point about like, it hurts the sport from being a real sport if we have to wait for such a long time, at least me personally, I, I can agree with that Coach H. Yeah. Yeah. And I know they're and trying. It's, it's, not like, it's not like they're not. I mean, I'm not saying that at all. I, I understand how it works. The world of sports works. It's, it's hard in itself with everything. I mean, we're just waiting for us to jump on the damn tramps again. That's all. <laughs> Coach H had just perfected his Z cuts, like right, right when the right. season ended. So we got to get back out there, Coach, and keep working on that. No, Through you, the you training hit the nail with that, Sam. Like, listen, it's it's not it's not um, it's not a secret that there are pros and cons to how Slam Ball was developed, right? Because it was developed from TV people. So there are pros to that. Like the pros are, I very seriously doubt that we get a two year contract with ESPN unless it's TV people behind that, right? And, right? and because that they understand that world. What a great deal. Like, I mean, you look at other professional sports leagues that, is, that exist today that are up and coming like Slam Ball, none of them have like a, a, a contract like that. So that's the pros. The cons are they don't understand the world of pro sports. They don't. Like some of us have worked in sports business for a decade plus, right? And it's like, we understand coach has been coaching uh, all over the world in professional uh, basketball, international professional basketball leagues and some of the highest levels of college. And the reality is some of the slam ball folks just don't understand professional sports. We've got really, really good people in the business office. We've got a couple like people that aren't that talented. So like, I think we're just at the point, we're like at an inflection point with slam ball, where we really need this next season to be good. We really need it to be better than it was last year. And we need to up that TV contract. They're doing a great job with sponsors like PBR signing those. We need to keep building the business case for slam ball is a, uh, 
successful sports league because that's what all the leagues need. But um, it's no secret. And and one of the reasons is like it, it's disorganized, right? Like we've had – how long has it been, Coach, since our last season? Eight months? We still don't know yeah. where we're playing. We have, yeah. we have full-time people, and we still don't know where we're playing in two months. So like there's certainly some room to improve on like what has happened in Slam Ball during the, the only full year we've ever had full-time employees. But I truly believe like you that Slam Ball is going to get there. And I think we're going to go more from like TV stuff to like actually embracing the league as a, as a real sport moving forward. So I, I'm excited about that. One of the things that I wanted to touch on, Sam, is like you did something that um, was kind of cool at the end of uh, last series. You did an anonymous player poll. And I know we all have a lot of questions about that. Like the first question that I have is how many players participated in that poll? And the second question, I know you can't say a lot because it's anonymous. The second question I have is like, what were some of the key takeaways that you had from that poll? Um, so I can tell you, I said it in the, there's a video version of this up. I still haven't learned the best way to put information like that out in like text form, if that makes sense. I'm taking um, inspiration from, again, most of my stuff comes from like the coverage the NBA gets. So I'm taking inspiration from, I forget the journalist that does it, but there is a journalist every year who does an anonymous player profile for the NBA. He gets about 110 players out of the 460, let's say, that are part of the NBA on a given season. A hundred of them will respond to what he says and he'll put it out as like a text-based thing. I don't know the best way to do that without giving away like all of the responses I got. And of course, I'm doing this as a podcast. So there's a podcast version of this. There's a video version of this on YouTube under the bounce off podcast name. So if you're intrigued by this, the first time you're hearing about this, you want more detail, go and watch that video and get me some more numbers. Um, but in terms of how many players responded, I can tell you that it was a third of the league, which arguably isn't that many people because the league isn't like a huge number of players. But if you compare it to the NBA, one I just talked about, it's a higher percentage of the total league. Mm -hmm. um, there was responses from at least every team. So I got, a, I got insight from at least one player on all eight teams someone from each team gave me their perspective at minimum so you're not getting like only the opinions of one team and no one else gave me anything i got a little bit from every team some more than others but that still gives you a more rounded idea of how players feel the season went versus what the league is putting out there and i think when you're analyzing a sport that is so if you're looking at professional basketball football whatever the sport is you have what the league says and you have what the teams say and the teams are working for their benefit and the league is working for theirs. But slam ball, because everything's centrally owned, you're not going to get the information of like, well, this is what the mob thinks about the season. This is what the buzzsaw thing about what the season happened. You don't get that as much. So I thought an anonymous player profile, an anonymous player poll would be a great way of being like, this is what the league is saying. This is how the players feel. And this is the difference between the two. That. So what were some of your key takeaways from that? So the going through it again today, again, not having thought about it for a while, there was a couple of different things. The first thing I think will, will be to you guys will appreciate this and the league will appreciate this and fans will appreciate this. Um, there's definitely the sense, sentiment that the slam ball brotherhood is real, that it does exist, mm -hmm. that if you have done this, um, you are part of a group. And as we always say, there are less than 200 people worldwide who have ever played the sport, you know, something like that. Like minimum less than 250, I, I would say, have ever set foot on a slam ball court type thing. So that's a shared experience that less than 0.000 whatever percent of the population will ever experience. And so there's a connectivity there. 
brotherhood <laughs> doesn't mean friendship and that can come out on the court that can come out with the the rivalries that we've seen form that can come out with how some players have talked about guys that they're going to go up against when they play the next season brotherhood means that i've got your back in a certain situation it does not mean that i need to treat you like a brother when we're competing for a championship for money for these different things and on money actually a big thing that was talked about was there's no current incentive for players outside of pride to make it to the playoffs so i was told by players that you would earn the same money if you went to the playoffs as if you didn't make it to the playoffs so if you're just there what's the incentive to go and be like right well we've got to the end of the season do i want to sacrifice my body to fight to get to the playoffs to play another two games potentially to maybe get injured which means i can't play international sports like on the off season how much of my own am i willing to risk when i'm not receiving a monetary compensation for that and some mm. people argued with that from a fan perspective that we don't want the players to be solely motivated by monetary gain. You don't want a sport full of guys who are like, well, I'm only about the money. Because then you get mass egos and you get guys who are like, well, I don't care about winning. I just care about getting paid. But at the same time, it'd be quite nice to have a reason for guys to go far and to make positive inroads to what they're doing. And not everyone wants to play for pride. Sometimes you need the money. Um, and so that was like a thing from a fan perspective as, as well as like a player perspective that I thought was quite interesting. And another quick thing, and then we can dissect all of that. 100% of the players I talked to were at least interested in coming back to play the sport. A week yeah, after the season yeah. ended, some of them not making the playoffs, some of them losing in the finals, whatever it may be, every single player was like, yeah, I'd at least consider it. And that's a great thing. Yeah. I think everybody... Yeah, now, just they... to touch on... Just to touch on one of those points, Coach, and then I'm going to throw it over to you because I want to get your thoughts on some of this. Um, there actually was originally a bonus for players and coaches for not only going to the playoffs, but your success in the playoffs. And and the reason I know that is because a slam ball executive came up to me in the playoffs and was like, man, it's too bad we cut that bonus. <laughs> and and the, the reality is, though, like it doesn't even matter. The reality is, what happened that impacted slam ball most significantly last series, whether it's, it's publicly shared or not was the cost of the insurance, mm -hmm. right? We've proven that it's a very safe sport to play. Like the injuries that you see in the sport don't come from, from the hits. They don't come from the trampoline. They don't come. If, if you're prepared, the injuries that happen are when somebody puts a leg down in the scoring bed after they try to go up and dunk and there's a stopper down there instead of bailing out. And in 90%, that's, that's fault. That's fake news. I just made up that stat, but 90% ish <laughs> of like the injuries occur when that happens. So the insurance was a lot more expensive than I think was budgeted for. And when they had to pay for that insurance, a lot of things got cut including that playoff and, and finals bonus uh, among them. But but as a team that was in the playoffs, and it, it, it really is for us at least, and I know for the other teams, it's about pride at that point. Like mm. it's about pride and the pride of being able to win a championship and being able to do something that no one can really take away from you um, for the rest of your life that you did during that, that, yeah. that course of the year. Coach, what were you going to say? I'm sorry, I think I cut you off there. No, I, I mean, I think it's always great when people want to come back, but the reality is – in pro sports, people get paid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the performance bonus is, people get paid for it. And then, but then, of course, I understand it's slam ball, starting a new league, all of those things with it and, and everything mm -hmm. else. I just yeah. think, you know, in order to continue to thrive, slam ball to thrive, they, there's going to have to be some cuts from time to time. 
And just like, you know, we see sometimes during the season, they change rules midseason. They got to change incentives during the midseason as well, too. I mean, that's just just what it is for it right now. You know, we're hoping yeah. it's going to continue now, to go from there. To, to Coach's point, though, here's a perfect example of what Slam Ball is doing to remedy that stuff. Like, Coach, we were part of this. They had multiple rules meetings with the coaches this offseason to yeah. walk through, hey, what should the rules be? Because we did adjust the rules. There were things that were tweaked. The biggest thing that was tweaked was the three-second island rule. Like, they changed it, I think, in the middle of the game. Yeah. They changed it basically where three seconds started when a player landed on the island. To three seconds started when a player caught the ball on the island, which if you think about that, that is a dramatic change in an offense, right? You're either cutting guys to the island as a pressure release to dump the ball in there, or you're going with the ball to maximize your three seconds. So it's a pretty big deal. But um, this upcoming season, the three seconds will start when a guy touches the island, just like it was going to last season. And I think just coming out of those meetings with the coaches, like the one thing that you took away from slam ball is that they were really willing and open to listen to like yes. what the coaching staffs thought the rules should be. So I think we're way out ahead of the rules for the first time ever. Um, and I think that that is just an example of like the things that slam ball is working on, but about the money coach, like look at the NBA all-star game, right? It's a perfect example. Like what, what a farce that was, right? Like Adam yeah. silver really wants to get the players out there. He, he wants them to play and the players go out there and they're jacking around, you know, what was it like yeah, a 400 like point all-star game? I mean, right. it's like, and so the players are like, if you want to motivate us, pay us. If you put bonus money out there, like the in-season tournament has, like you're going to get players that play at a much higher level during the all-star game. So money solves a lot of problems. It's just slam balls, not the NBA right now, right? We've got, we've got a number of, of years to go to, uh, to build the foundation of the sport before we can be the NBA. Yeah. But I mean, like this, the all-star game is a perfect example of NBA players don't put as much effort into it these days because I think there's been more of a realization of what does this prove, right? <laughs> Just because I'm competing against other all-stars, I do that every night. The league is so much better. I don't owe anything necessarily to the league. And slam ball, I suppose, is a bit different because players do owe a lot to the league because it's not like if the league doesn't like you, you're going to get an opportunity at a different slam ball team or a different slam ball league. But at the same time, and this is when I was talking about this, this popped into my head, if you look at Tony Crosby, for example, and this is not how he feels about the situation. I don't know him at all well enough to say this, but if you look at him, who makes money as like a professional content creator, as going all over the world competing in dunk contests, he makes it to the finals of the playoffs uh, in slam ball, and he's getting paid the same amount as if he had not played those last two games. What happens if in the finals he snaps his leg and can't do anything that earns him money for the next six to eight months? The, yeah. the, the slam ball take care of him in that situation? I and this is not being, maybe not fair of me, and I would like the league to like me so they keep telling me things, um, <laughs> but I would doubt it given I also had players saying to me, um, it would be nice if the league could give us merch with our team name on it because I got told by players <laughs> that they had to buy their own team merchandise. And it sucks that players are you like, you know, this yeah. t-shirt was $29. Yep. I mean, my wife has the credit card receipts to prove it. Yep. And it's, I'm sure it's great merchandise. I'm finally going to be getting a slam ball hoodie when I'm over in the States in April. But um, I think a lot of players were slightly hurt by the idea that like we've done all this for the league and they can't give us a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, I know it's different because it's an international thing, but um, some of the guys who play for the local basketball team here in Glasgow um, are away at 
Team GB camp for the Olympics. And uh, one of them put on his social media, they got a custom bag with their name and number, a full track suit and six t-shirts. And that's, I know that's like a national thing, but you've got a lot of investment in the ESPN contract and PBR for the next two years. The players can get a a screen printed t-shirt, you know? Yeah. I think some of that stuff will change, but Sam, that's why you ask the tough questions, man. Like when you get some slam ball executives on your podcast, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there to listen. That's for sure. Um, one of the questions, cause you sparked this, one of the questions that I have for you because you did watch the entire season is what would you like to see change? Um, maybe from a gameplay perspective, maybe from a business perspective, maybe from both as we head into series seven. Um, it's hard for me to say again, because I've been so out of the loop for a while. Like this week is the most I've been invested in the sport again, um, because you guys have very kindly invited me on your show. And so I've been like looking over stats and like trying to find average, like what an average player looks like in slam ball, things like that. But I can't recall specifics about how the, the season went, because at this point it feels so long ago. And maybe that's an indictment itself on how things should change. I'm a little bit disappointed in what you're saying about the Island three second rule, because I think that while... I think that the onus, it was fun when the onus was put on the defense to stop a guy getting to the island in the first place. And it was sometimes fun seeing a guy just have to plant himself on the island defensively and swat at balls coming in. Some of that was quite fun because it also meant you had like an anchor point to be able to pass the ball around. And you got a lot more lobs at the basket coming from the island, which was quite fun. So I'm a little bit disappointed in that. But I understand that it's that me enjoying that doesn't mean that that's good gameplay. And there needs to be something about you can't just poach at the basket and just stand there for the full time because then what's the point in going anywhere else on the court? I think um, a lot of my notes are not going to be about the sport, about the games, but about like the overarching sport. So um, access to counting stats would be great. Like I know we have them now, but we didn't have them until like the last two weeks of the season, which I suppose is halfway through the season, which isn't that bad. But the general public didn't get access to like how are players doing until midway through and even when you look at that now, it's a bit messy with the players that would move team to team because of like injuries and whatnot, where, um, again, I've been looking at all the stat stuff. I'll take Greg Hill as an example because he ends up on the raft towards the end of the season. All of his stats playing for Lava are just gone. They're not accessible. So his league, av- his season average is gone because it just says, oh, he played three games. I know he didn't. I know he played more than three games, but you're telling me he only played three games because that's when he was winning the raft. That could be a lot better. I've already mentioned international access, but I know that there are discussions ongoing about like international streaming. And But again, there have been since before the season started last year because I was told that by the press team. Um, and as part of that, more communication, both. It'd be great for me if I got told more things. That's great. Um, you guys asked, how do I know so much? I don't. It's just no one else is putting that information out there. So when I get something that like, a hundred other people have missed and just go, oh, by the way, this happened. It seems more impressive, but I'd like it if the league put more of that out there. Um, It took me emailing over and over again about like, this player's injured. Why don't you guys say that they're injured for someone to say, oh, it's on our website. All right, well, you haven't told the audience that. So fans are showing up to games going, oh, Christian Gray's not playing for the Wrath tonight. I wonder what happened. And they've posted about it three hours earlier, but it's on the website and it's not being shared to socials. And I understand that's hard on a small team to get that communication down from upper management to doctors to social media management. Yeah. Tying that all together is difficult. But again, if we're talking professional sports league, you want it to be that seamless. And you don't want people having to come to me, you know, Jack Nobody, 
to say, oh, this player's injured, this player's not in this game, this player's not doing that. It should be the league that's able to get that information out there instead. I'm not complaining that I get that responsibility. I just think a professional sports league shouldn't have that be the person that's spreading the information that should be out there for betters, if that's a big thing about what you're talking about, because some people will have placed bets thinking, oh, this team's really good. And then like, they're missing three guys. One of them got traded. Where did that come from? And it's not out there publicly unless you're like going on the websites. And for a league and a sport that seems to be so focused on like increasing their like gambling revenue and its involvement in that world, it would be nice for people that invest in that way to get some investment back from the league. Those are my three big things. More communication to audience, but also players. Because like I said, a lot of players were talking about, well, we didn't hear about this. And you guys have just said, you don't even know when you're starting. And you guys are tenured coaches. Um, international access and then access to counting stats faster, but that's already being fixed. Yeah, the uh, the injury stuff is interesting, Sam, because I remember even when the live lines went on the game, I remember uh, talking to like Stormy, right? Stormy Butanane and some of the group that was like, they they have to be very specific about what they say about injuries because of the betters. And so that was something I had never been a part of before because we didn't coach. I know you probably have with your college basketball experience, mm-hmm. but that was a whole new world for me. So that was just an interesting thing about the injury side of it. Yeah. And, and it's so important for uh, on the gambling side, like you need to know what's going on. So you have, you know, informed bet betters, betties. I don't know what you would call them, but, but you, you need all that stuff. And I just want to say something, Sam, you are not a Jack, nobody. You are a Sam, somebody. And that's, <laughs> well, I love you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> No, it's been like, I know we're coming up on time here and Sam, like I knew you would be a great interview because you're just so well-spoken, you know, so much about the sport. And the one thing that we try to do here is like, we really want to talk to everybody, ex-players, current players, current coaches, ex-coaches, podcasters, analysts, executives, anybody that makes an impact on the sport. And you certainly do. You've done a fantastic job. Absolutely love the podcast. One final question before Coach H kind of closes us out and asks you anything he wants to. Is the podcast going to be back for Series 7? And will it be called the Bounce Off? Um, I'll, I'll start by saying if you guys want to go overtime, I'm more than happy to. I haven't had a chance to talk about Slam Ball in a long time. and I'm, I'm in my stride. Um, will the podcast come back? Yes, because it was incredibly fun. And I don't foresee having any reason not to be able to do it. Um, hopefully, I still get the same access to players. I was lucky enough that both of you gentlemen very kindly gave me your time early on, which gave a certain level of credibility to what I was doing. And hopefully players still see that as valuable. There's so many guys I haven't had a chance to interview, whether because the communication's not been there or or just I've lost that motivation because it's been so long since we've had a reason to talk about it. Um, I will be back. I still want to call it Bounce Off because that's now like a legacy thing. That being said, everyone only knows me by my social media handle, which is fine. I don't think more like 50% of slam ball players don't know my name is Sam, but that's fine. Um, I'd, I'd wager the other 50% don't even know it's a thing that exists. So that's more than fine. Um, but I think I'll still call it bounce off because that like ties in. I hadn't even thought about that. So that's a great question, but it ties back to the history of the sport. I made a lot of jokes earlier. Cause some people will say, why is it called bounce off? And I'm like, well, um, I'm right saying the throwdown is what it's called now. Am I right yeah, in that? The, throwdown, the, the yeah. initial start of a game, the equivalent of a tip-off in basketball or kickoff in football, now called a throwdown in slam ball, was originally called a bounce-off. And I called the podcast Bounce Off. And then two weeks before the season started, 
Mason Gordon showed up to training and went, uh, it's called the throw down now. And that was it. And so I was immediately screwed. But um, I've, I've already tied myself in with that name. So I think we'll stick with that. But yes, it will be back. Um, hopefully in the same form if I can keep up the late nights. But energy drinks are cheap, so it's fine. Hey, man, I, I love the name Bounce Off. I mean, you obviously talk about you're a Clipper fan, and so am I. And you see the new logo they unveiled, a homage to the old Clipper. So that's all you're doing, man. That, that's You are just – you are – paying honor and respect to the old slam ball. Now, my last question is this. What shoes do you have in the background back there? Because I love your studio setup, by the way. Like, what, what do we have behind you when you set it up? Way too much garbage is the, the honest answer. There's just so many, like, action figures and pop vinyls here. Um, but if the shoes are the interesting part, I think a lot of people are drawn to those because, like, why are they up there? Um, incidentally... I've done however many recordings uh, for Slam Ball, and you guys are only the second people to ask that question. Um, we've got three pairs of shoes. We've got uh, LeBron 11 um, Everglades, which was like the first pair of basketball shoes that I went, these are really cool, I want these. So they were my first favorite pair of basketball shoes that I played in a lot. Next to it are the LeBron 13 uh, Friday the 13th, which was just, I'm a big shoe guy, and the way that that shoe was put together was really fun but also a great attention to detail because it has like Friday the 13th numbers on it and like blood splatter and things, which is cool. Um, but it is an all white pair of shoes. And uh, the first day I wore them after training, I put them in my bag and essentially an orange Gatorade exploded in my bag and has dyed them yellow. <laughs> so they, they spent the rest of the year messed up. Uh, next them are a, a pair of shoes called the Hyper Rev. I think 2016, that would make sense, which was in collaboration with a, a brand called Fragment, which is a Japanese clothing company. But those are the shoes I wore probably during my most successful season of playing uh, basketball when I was a kid. Um, so those are just the three that I hung up there because I was like, those those will look good. And they now all have stories, I suppose. I love it. I love story that. and everything. All right. Buddy. Here you go, Sam. It's the way too early. You haven't even seen the next crop of players prediction. Who's in the finals for Series 7 and who's walking away with the hardware? Uh, it's more Buzzsaw in the final. <laughs> and, uh, Buzz, Buzzsaw are winning uh, because I need, I need some goodwill for when me and Coach H have more Twitter arguments this season. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, no, it's it. Wrath. I'll say Wrath. I, I love it. Co or, uh, Sam, we appreciate you, brother, yeah. man. Everything you do for the sport, appreciate you coming on. We look forward to continuing to listen to you uh, with the podcast and, and all the socials and everything else. Um, Coach H, you know what time it is, man. That's right. We need, we need I, don't want any, I don't want any excuses about sickness or illness yep. or coughing up my lung. It's a man's game, Coach. That's right. So step up and take us out of here. That's right. Now listen up, everybody. You have heard the sweet sounds of the one and the only – Quantum Roberts. You better etch that name in stone in your brain, in your heart, and in your mind because there is nobody better that brings you slam ball coverage and any coverage he does on Twitter and X or whatever he does online in his podcast. Make sure you listen to the bounce off, but make sure you bookmark this podcast because where Quantum Roberts just wrecked the whole podcast. Did a great job with it. Woo.